Blog Talk Radio. The First Amendment protects freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and freedom of the press, and was ratified on December 15, 1791. Looking for informative educational radio instead of the same jumbo for hours? Then Sports Beat, your alternative, is next as part of Mountain Meadow Productions. Stay tuned. From the studio of Mountain Meadow Productions and Sportsbeat Radio, this is Sportsbeat, a provocative, insightful, informative, and educational show that we hope will educate the sports listener to the specific of sport. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener. And so with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio. We like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sports Beat, and we're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spoolis. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday program, the 19th day of April 2022. And thanks so much for joining us on Sports Beat Radio Talking Sports, and today we'll be talking about a little bit of a controversial subject, but like to get into controversy. And you heard uh, from the Internet, courtesy of Alexa, the First Amendment to the Constitution, which really set the scope for uh, this country being what it was, way back in the uh, 1780s when the Treaty of Paris was ratified uh, by Benjamin Franklin, who uh, was our stalwart leader, and the French in the Treaty of Paris, which uh, set up those undeniable rights, particularly the right of uh, prayer, the right of religion, the right of uh, worship, Uh, the right of assembly peacefully, and the right to uh, congregate. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because we're seeing a lot of this not taking place. People penalized for worshiping the way they want, people not being able to discuss certain issues today because of big tech And, you know, it probably gets thrown off because of this, but who cares? There's other menus, there's other avenues. And our show today is really about, is prayer a big deal in sports? Should there be prayer in sports? You know, it's interesting because you've seen in the NFL after games, I think you see it more there than any other sport, uh, players congregate in a circle, People, uh, players like Russell Wilson and Reggie White when he was around, and they all uh, get together in a circle and pray. And uh, the question is, uh, there's no question, of course, that they have the right to do it, uh, but there are some that feel that it's not necessary, that it shouldn't be in sports. We shouldn't mix sports with religion. And yet, you know, we're a nation of religion. 
We're a nation of, uh, you know, freedom of, of, of speech, freedom of worship, and it's being taken away uh, each year to the point where if certain people had their way, we probably wouldn't be able to do any of it, and we're seeing it now. You know, the president of the United States, regardless of what you, what you thought of him, uh, was barred from social media and still is off. And if you say anything political, you're, you're, you're off. And so we've seen coaches fired for being uh, leaders in worship. And, of course, you know, we saw the fun made of Tim Tebow back when he was a Bronco and the, and the Tebow Neal. You know, he was brought up in a, in a Christian family. Uh, and, uh, you know, we know about him and people made fun of it and Saturday Night Live did skits on it and everything, uh, probably in good nature. I think Tim Tebow took it fairly well. Uh, but that's where we are with it. And, you know, it's an interesting scenario because – William Penn, his father, was owed uh, a lot of money from the King of England, and so he gave, uh, outside of the Philadelphia area, land that he owned to William Penn, and uh, promptly William Penn uh, allowed all of the religious uh, subjects, like the Anabaptists, which became, of course, the Amish and Mennonites and Presbyterians and everybody who was persecuted uh, in Europe came with open arms. And, you know, we've seen on our coinage, in God we trust, in our bills, our, you know, our uh, dollar bill, in God we trust. Uh, God and the commandments are uh, outside or inside of courtrooms, particularly in the South. And uh, each day, of course, uh, we see... Uh, the admonition uh, of these things and, uh, you know, two sides on it. So is prayer and sports a big deal? And that's what we wanted to talk about today. And we've all seen in one capacity or another, whether in locker rooms or we've inevitably witnessed the scene in which a football team is led in prayer before a big game. Sometimes they're led by the coach, and while other times the coach has brought in an actual priest to lead the student-athletes, like some of the Catholic universities, Loyola to be one. Uh, and in most instances, this is presented as a normal occurrence, questioned by none of the characters whatsoever. But when we pause to consider the multiple controversies that have risen Due to prayer in school, it comes as little surprise that prayer in sports has generated some controversy as well. Of course, you know, prayer in school was all allowed until Madeleine O'Hara back in the early 60s uh, subjugated the Supreme Court to admonish it. And so when prayer and sports is presented to us on television, it hinges on the audience's acceptance of anything not questioned by the characters themselves. And the last two sections uh, of uh, our talk, dealing some common arguments as to why we should or shouldn't care about the use of prayer in sports, especially where student-athletes are involved. And so you may wonder why this is even spoken of at all. Some people don't have a problem with it, and some do. And the reason that we consider prayer in sports to stand apart from the issues mentioned is that it isn't really cut and dry to think about it. You either think women belong in baseball or you don't. This is uh, a controversy, really, 
that after you, when you start to talk about it, it's like shuffling a bad deck of cards. I don't know that there are answers. It's really what you think. And so you either support sports betting or you don't. You either think participation trophies are harmless fun or that they're single-handedly turning our children into little monsters full of unwarranted hopefulness and reckless entitlement. And you either think Brady's a cheater who deserves to be suspended or you cheer for New England or Tampa and prefer not to think about it. All these issues are pretty straightforward. But in, with prayer and sports, the issue becomes much more complicated. You might support prayer in theory, but lament the fact that your religion or dom- denomination is not commonly represented in practice. And you might not support prayer in sports, but believe that the issue has been greatly overblown by people who could simply choose not to participate. And maybe you support prayer itself, but believe that it should be a solitary action rather than an organized event. And there may even be some people out there who don't support prayer simply because they think that asking for divine intervention in a football game is unfair to the other team or even though the other team is probably praying for the power to crush your team into the ground. You know, it was interesting, Bob Costas, who was the former voice of the uh, NBC network, uh, had always said uh, when he interviewed players, uh, particularly the players who brought God into it, he says, isn't God on both sides of the fence? Isn't he on both teams? Why would he be on one and not the other? Which was a fair question. So, you know, with that, this is a subject really that has kid gloves, unlike uh, in which we discussed whether or not the star-spangled manners inclusion in sports was a necessity. We'll not be assessing whether or not prayer adds anything to the world of athletic competition. So if we're going to establish a backdrop for this discussion, then we should note that the idea for this uh, story did not come out of nowhere. In fact, it was more or less the response to reading about defiance of Bremerton High assistant coach Joe Kennedy. Washington coach has been told by the school district to stop leading students in prayer. While the district does not control the beliefs of their staff, the superintendent would prefer that these beliefs not be expressed while on the clock. And Kennedy responded by continuing to lead prayers anyway. And his fate at the school is yet as uh, uncertain. Our assumption is that the district plans on taking strong action against him. So most major instances of prayer in sports involve high school football teams, but they do not have a trademark on the practice. One particularly notable example at the collegiate level, 2012 prayer-led Penn State in honor of Jerry Sandusky's sexual abuse victims. And the prayer was a good cause, pertaining to goodwill rather than competitive spirit. In fact, it wasn't led by a Penn State representative, but rather by Nebraska's assistant coach. And it was unlike most prayer in sports, not just because it was led by Penn State's opponent, but also because it did not occur in the locker room. Instead, it was led at the 50-yard line in front of 100,000 fans. And as some pointed out, Parts of the prayer were strangely misguided. It, it referenced using football as a benchmark for little boys struggling with definition of manhood, as if football makes you a man is the most important message to send to sexually abused kids. So Penn State has not been the only major form for prayer in sports. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder became the only NBA team strongly associated with prayer when they began leading prayers before every game at Chesapeake Energy Arena. And they were pretty careful about how they did it, leaving words like Jesus out of the prayers in order to keep them non-denominational. 
They also showed some diversity in who was leading the prayers, utilizing a mixture of religious authority figures, even throwing Native American spiritual leaders in the mix alongside the usual priests and rabbis. And some would argue that this is exactly how prayer in sports should be handled, as no one in the crowd was technically left out, unless, of course, they only happened to attend a single game. Either way, the point was to offer a moment of reflection rather than just a form for religious worship. So there are a few different angles to take with this, so we'll take them one at a time. The first, as we have already mentioned, is that prayer in sports is not always inclusive. Oklahoma City example is a rarity in the sense that their prayers are more like brief inspirational speeches that simply happen uh, by led by figures of religious authority. Aside from that, you're not likely to encounter many public prayers that go out their way to accommodate the beliefs of all in attendance. And so by favoring the religion of whoever happens to be leading the prayer, others are left ostracized. Yes, there is the argument that they can simply choose not to participate, but sports thrive on teamwork. So reminding teammates that they are not part of a selected group may not be conducive to the cause. So then there's the legal issue. We mentioned that the subject is most commonly brought up in relation to high school teams, and despite the fact that organized prayer in school has been ruled out by the Supreme Court, uh, you know, an example of uh, our jurisprudence who has made some real lame decisions over the years, stories like that of Joe Kennedy tend to pop up with relative frequency. The law stems from the Establishment Clause in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights. And this contains the free exercise clause, which many interpret differently. Some believe that being led in organized prayer that conflicts with their own beliefs is a violation of this clause, while others believe that the clause should literally entitle free speech in all regards. Either way, public universities are just as subject to law as public schools. But since separation of church and state is hardly a foreign concept, many feel that the case should be open and shut. That said, the Supreme Court has allowed prayer in various public forums when they have met one of two conditions. One, they must be non-secretarian. They must rotate among religions. Basically, prayer and sports should follow Oklahoma's model to meet most commonly accepted legal standards. Without meeting such standards, the controversy will likely continue. After all, many who feel outraged by prayer in schools and sports or other public venues are less outraged by prayer itself than by what they consider to be exclusionist practices. The last point you make is that some religious purists consider public prayer to be an affront to what prayer means to them. By putting prayer on display, we rob it of its sanctity. The standard moment of silence allows people to pray on their own or to simply engage in quiet reflection if prayer is not their thing. Many do not understand why we cannot embrace this practice in favor of one which takes a personal act of faith and turns into a public event. Given human nature, such a solution is feasible. And why should we stop caring? Well, we'll take the above arguments starting with the notion that prayer should be kept to oneself. There's nothing wrong with this belief. But the real question is why we are perturbed by other prayers that we should feel the need to complain about it. Tim Tebow isn't hurting anyone, and his public display shouldn't bother anyone, especially those who think the prayer should be kept private 
because at least he's generating conversations about prayer and what it means. Besides, there's no harm in letting a player pray if they think it's important in the strength of their abilities. Gene Hackman, if you remember, the coach Dale encounters in his Hoosiers when Strap is Tebowing courtside long before Tebow was, was the thing. Hackman simply leans over to tell him, God wants you on the floor. Next, let's talk about the legal issue. There are probably some who read what we said uh, about non-sectarian prayers and the use of moment silence and immediately discredited on the basis that moment of silence is really meant as a moment of prayer. This same belief played a hand in uh, Chiduri versus State of Tennessee in which the plaintiff argued against not only religious prayers but non-sectarian prayers and the moment of silence as well. The court found that any university events begin with non-sectarian prayers are, as a matter of common sense, accompanied by non-sectarian moments of silence. Yes, someone might use it to pray, but you can't hear them, and they won't know if you're secretly using that time to mentally rewrite your list. So furthermore, the court in that case found that laws concerning prayer in school are generally aimed at primary and secondary schools, and the worry is that such students may feel coerced in participating in such prayers. Concerning mature adults, however, prayer in sports does not present much of a dilemma. Sure, refusing to participate may heap unfortunate social consequences upon the objector, but no student or professional athlete is likely to be cut from their team due to refusal to participate in prayer. If they are, then they'll make way more money from the subsequent lawsuit than they would have made on the team that year. We didn't talk much about the above, and we like to briefly mention the notion that prayer in sports, uh, for some, is hypocritical. That by praying to win, we are essentially praying for someone to lose, as we alluded to with Bob Costas. Not all prayers are made in the same spirit, but there is certainly a fair number of them. George Carlin, the comedian who was never one to shy away from uh, language or controversial substance, also talked about the fact that athletes exclusively thank God or Jesus for wins, not losses. And one may argue that it's not the only hypocritical to pray, uh, pray for a win, but also highly arrogant to assume that your deity actually cares enough to influence the game. But again, why should we care if people do this? Because athletes are never arrogant unless they're religious. This is what people think. So now, this is a major one of exclusion, so you might be expecting a long argument, but uh, we already mentioned the fact that adults are not coerced into prayer and sports and the way they feel coerced in primary or secondary school. And yes, it may cause friction between them and some of their teammates, but if their teammates truly care about the game, then they'll be able to set such things aside. If not, they'll probably be unhappy with the results. A team that can't work together is bound to lose together. That lesson transcends religion or prayer, but rather pertains to the mutual respect that athletes must possess if they wish to be successful. Those who cannot respect others on the basis of how or if they pray are not exactly living up to their own moral standards anyway. And so finally, I'd like to end by offering one point of comfort, even if you're completely against prayer in sports. Remember that there are more important issues we mentioned Friday Night Lights earlier, and the pilot episode illustrates this point quite well. The pilot famously ends with a prayer which may many fans consider to be one of Coach Taylor's most inspirational scenes in the series. 
No deity is mentioned, and the lesson applies to everyone on earth. But before that, running back Smash Williams leads the students in prayer to honor quarterback Jason Street, who has just been paralyzed. And if you were Street's teammate, his classmate, one of his coaches, would you stop Smash in the middle of his prayer simply because it wasn't non-sectarian? I doubt you would. We aren't saying that prayer in sports is never wrong or misguided, but it's usually aimed at a common goal shared by all present. Just because you don't like the words does not mean you can't take a moment to reflect on their meaning. Remember what we quoted earlier about how any prayer, be it Christian, Jewish, pagan, or other, can be both instructional and inspirational, and it takes an open mind. So, you know, it's an interesting scenario, as I said earlier. Uh, it's like shuffling a bad deck of cards. It's like rearranging the chairs on the Titanic. It's a very difficult subject, particularly today, when so many people are uh, really in protest against prayer and against religion. You know, it was an interesting uh, situation here. We don't live too far from Lakehurst, New Jersey. And most of you who know history know that Lakehurst, New Jersey, was the site of the Hindenburg crash back in the 20s. And uh, the, the uh, horror of all of that, and uh, for those of you who don't know, you can always Google it. But uh, there was, years later, on Hangar 1, which still exists, it uh, housed uh, some of the big dirigibles uh, that uh, blimps that uh, flew into Lakehurst. There was a huge, huge white cross, and the cross was illuminated. Uh, you could see it for miles. You can see this hangar uh, from a pretty good distance because it topples way over the trees. It's humongous, but the, the white cross all illuminated uh, was there for years. And there was a woman who objected to it, and they took it down. Uh, there were a few coaches, we didn't mention their names, in high school who were warned not to pray during games. They did it anyway and were fired. And we've known of a few colleges that do the same thing. So as we get farther away from not so much religion, but farther away from the right to worship. And I think that personally, and I don't like to get in, you know, involved to the right or to the left because that's not what a journalist does. We split it down the middle and let you think. But I think the interesting thing is is that uh, the Supreme Court, who has made many ludicrous decisions over the years, and uh, my view is that they should be replaced every – they should have terms instead of being there forever – the Supreme Court probably should have ruled in favor of some kind of religious moment. Because I think that you have the right in our country to be non-religious, or you have the right to be faithful to your religion. And there are many religions, the Catholic religion, the Baptist, you know, we can go on and on, Judaism, uh, there are some that have still pagan rites, uh, some of the American Indians who have not come to Christianity still believe in some of the pagan uh, gods that they've worshipped. And I think that all religion is faithful to the people who adhere to it. And so the Supreme Court probably what should have done, instead of banning everything, 
because of their ludicrous decisions that they've made, is to allow everyone now to have some kind of moment of prayer. Now, it's true that we were founded on Christian principles, but uh, there's some uh, demographic uh, chartists who feel that within the next 25 years, Christianity in America may give way to uh, the Muslim religion because there's so many Muslim uh, faith of people coming here and they have very big families. And they felt that it's not long before America goes from Christianity to the Muslim religion. Now, there are those who, you know, we've seen it many, many times, the Ku Klux Klan and the hate groups and everything who don't like uh, change. But America is a country of change. You know, we were founded to not just be Christian, which is what we were in the beginning, because Christianity was really the main stage of religion. But we were founded because of religious principles, that the Anabaptists, that this group and that group and everybody else could come here to worship the way they feel. And I think that what they probably need to do is to be able to incorporate a moment of prayer so that people can worship how they want to worship in a country that's First Amendment rights allows them to do it. Now, you may disagree with it. Uh, you know, some people are very, very prone to their own faith, and we should have respect for all faiths. You know, is there a true God for all? Is there one God? Uh, that's for individuals to believe. And so I think that, uh, you know, when you take away the right for athletes particularly, and our show is about sports, uh, to worship and to assemble after a game, uh, you're taking away the rights that the First Amendment gives. And they have as much right to pray and to worship as, a, as players, uh, as a symbol, as a faith, as those who do not wish to do it. You know, it was an interesting uh, scenario as well. The, uh, one of the minor league teams, I won't name them, but they're not too far from us, uh, they had a manager at one point where they brought in uh, a minister to lead uh, the players in prayer. Now, there was a lot of Southern players who were still Bible Belt, uh, you know, uh, participants, uh, heavy Baptists and so forth, but there were Catholic, uh, there were Jewish uh, players. And the manager, he didn't bring them in, uh, the minister who came in, uh, I don't know if the Jewish faith had one, but um, he was not liked by the manager. manager felt that it was a waste of time, that, uh, you know, we should be out there playing baseball and not worrying about praying. And a lot of the players took offense, and uh, they continued the practice even today. Uh, the minister was not paid. He did it voluntarily. And... Uh, I think when you look at our country, a country that is the most free country uh, in the world, I think we have always two sides of the coin. We have that where, you know, you should be able to do within the First Amendment rights, though that where you believe in. And if you don't believe in it, you have the right. We have that right in America, where, which makes us such a great country. We don't have that in other countries. You know, if you're in a communist country, you can't worship. 
They smuggle in Bibles, and if you're caught, you could be executed or imprisoned. But here in America, you always have to remember that the First Amendment rights gives people the right to worship the way they feel, to congregate the way they feel, to not have government uh, not allow those aspects and yet we see it every day where rights are being taken away. So uh, is prayer a good thing in sports? I'll let you decide. It's like, you know, deciding on the weather or, you know, deciding what you're going to wear. It's, uh, it's up in the air, and it's, uh, it's your decision. Well, I'll about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on Sportsbeat Radio Talk and Sports, talking about is prayer uh, necessary in sports. Well, of course, Major League Baseball has started 10 games into the season. The NBA playoffs have started. Phoenix Suns are the favorite to win this year, although they were in it last year, and uh, they bowed out in six games to the Bucks. You never know what's going to happen. The NHL playoffs will be starting in a couple of weeks as well. And then, of course, you had the USFL get off to its start uh, on Saturday night uh, with the Generals losing to the Birmingham Stallions. Sportsbeat's been a presentation of Mountain Meadow Productions at Sportsbeat Radio, and until tomorrow, all of you have a great day and great sports. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.
ball above the orange line for Jock's third home run of the year. back Monday, May 1st.
back on yet. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 